What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. In the 1980s, Wayne gives his new girlfriend, Amelia, blessing to write about the Purcell case, while Roland attempts to be the friend Tom needs in his life right now. In the 1990s, big pieces of the picture start to form for Hayes and West. Good police work leads them to the conclusion that Harris James is involved in the death of Lucy, and likely the cover-up of her children's disappearance. Shady police work winds up with them burying James out in the woods in the dead of night. The next day, as Wayne attempts to explain the unexplainable to Amelia, Edward Hoyt summons Wayne to talk about the events of the previous night, not so subtly threatening the Hayes family along the way. In 2015, Wayne breaks off his interviews with the journalist after she attempts to steer the discussion to a larger pedophilia conspiracy, but not before getting the name of a potential one-eyed black man, Watts, or Mr. June. Wayne and Roland talk to a former houseworker of Mr. Hoyt, where they connect this one-eyed black man to the personal tragedy of Isabel Hoyt. Later that night, Wayne and Roland get the license plate number of the sedan that has been stalking Wayne. Welcome to The World We Deserve, the officially unofficial podcast for True Detective on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 7, titled The Final Country. Uh, what do you think of that title? Uh, it's. I think there's one more country in this season. <laughs> You're uh, right. So it's blatant false advertising. Okay. Unreliable narrator, maybe? It's, yeah. they they for, he, he forgot that this is an eight-episode season. <laughs> um, well, what do you think? Uh, I think the title is amazing. Oh, what I think of the episode? Yeah. It was it was actually really good. Yeah. Um, th- there were a couple of standout scenes to me with uh, Marshal Ali playing his confusion, playing his disorientation that really stood out as some of the best work he's done in this series. Like that yeah. that scene where they're talking to uh, the the what was she like? She was oh, working in the kitchen and working... kitchen maid, I think is what she said she was. And something else. I can't yeah. remember exactly. But when they were talking to her, and Marshall is just kind of zoned out, right? And yeah. she's saying all the triggers for him that should get him into right. this case. And he's just right. you know, scratching his shirt, right, right. looking around, and then, quote-unquote, yeah. Rebecca, Rebecca comes up. Rebecca shows up, yeah. Man, it's so good. It's so subtle, and it's so... Uh, just natural, and and I really loved it. Yeah, I think it's like it's amazing how that I feel like that all the pieces are clicking in the p- p- place, and that the mystery is kind of assuming the shape that we have been looking at for the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But this show is still carrying itself with the swagger of a show that's got a secret, uh, uh, and I'm I'm wondering what it it's going to be because like you know. That mo- that moment where the big black sedans pull up and he gets into it is like a is a fucking moment, and it shouldn't be. <laughs> it's not like Russ going into the catacombs of the Yellow King. Like we uh-huh. know this fucker st- lives. Uh, the the only stakes are what happened between him and Roland, and what deal did him and his wife make. But I because the show is carrying itself with this like pop, you know this 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 uh, grand revelation kind of status. I'm very curious about. What next week's going to end up looking like? Yeah, me too. Uh, I think Dan is is more involved than he would like us to know. Dan? Oh, yeah, Dan, the yes. cousin. Well, I mean, he doesn't like anything anymore. The man's dead. Well, 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, I, I wonder if the twist is going to be that there's like some kind of like, like this was a, a, like a simple misunderstanding that was complicated by Will accidentally dying out in the woods. So there's a lot of interesting theories that we'll probably be covering um, that might kind of like more or less blow the lid back on, uh, you know. <laughs> And maybe that's the thing. It's like this is not going to be because I think they want us. They're really selling us on. Oh, this is connected with the Yellow King stuff and Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like maybe that like that certainly doesn't seem to interest Wayne at all. Um, the old man Wayne. And I feel like. Yeah. yeah. And, and like and he's going to get the straight dope from this Hoyt guy next week. I feel like maybe. I don't know. I think so. Um, He's going to get set off in a direction. Certainly. I don't. I can't tell if he has just forgotten that he understands everything about this case or if Hoyt's going to tell him something that doesn't actually confirm anything and he will never know the full extent uh, or or the full details on Julie's kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah, Because both of those are possibilities at this point. Yeah. um, It will... hmm. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, what in the world can a promise to Amelia... What, how, how in the world can that have anything to do with this Hoyt? Like, it seems like there's way too much stuff to happen that has to happen next week. They're like, it feels like there's still three weeks to go worth a worth, worth plot, right? Yeah, and from everything I hear, they're saying, oh, it's a, a, an emotionally powerful episode. So, Jeez. like, you got to work that into. Is and it like a crazy 90-minute episode? That, that, Could have be. we heard that? Um, I haven't heard anything about it. Because it does feel like there's a lot of stuff to play out. Not in like, you know, like they're going to have to rush through it. Just like it just seems like there's a lot of th- questions that, that we need an answer or should expect an answer from. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Do you want to get into the, the shit? We have five timelines now. We ha- Yes. <laughs> I think that's actually <laughs> I don't actually think we true. really need to cover all of them as their own timelines, but... Well, wait yeah, a second. Five timelines. What are you talking about? 80s, so, 90s, 2015, sometime in college. Uh-huh. And What's then the... Tom sometime in the middle leaving his house, right? Which may or may not line up with the timeline 80s. four. I think that's, I think that's the, the... Is that the 80s? Yeah, okay. we're still in the 80s at oh, that Oh, so that's point. right after right. Uh, the... They, they do the press conference and say that uh, the you know yeah. Julie's murdered and they, they wrap clothes up the are burnt stuff. And the, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm going to, yeah, and I'm going to suggest that we actually, uh, cover the college scene right up front because a lot of the other scenes kind of hinge on it. So Mm -hmm. why not? Before we get deeper into the episode, I want to talk about some housekeeping, what's going on here at Bald Move. Uh, first off on our Bald Move TV feed, which you can go to your, uh, you can get to by going to your favorite podcast app and searching for Bald Move TV or do that on iTunes or Google play. Uh, we have first looks of Umbrella Academy and the documentary Lorena that we had Friday. This week, we're going to be revisiting some of those, as well as taking a first look at this giant beast that is the global economy, which is a documentary trying to wrestle with the great beast that is our global economy. Uh, sounds fascinating. I'm, I'm excited about it. And then on our Bald Movies feed, which similarly, you take your favorite podcast app and you feed Bald Movies into it, uh, a search, you'll find it. We did a review of the 2006 German film The Lives of Others, which is a fantastic look into the bleak and paranoid world that is the East Germany in 1980s. And we'll also be reviewing Roma on Thursday, the Netflix original and Oscar-nominated Best Picture. I, I, it's so funny because we I was debating about we were debating in, in our pre-year coverage like what would we do if we ever had like Netflix winning an Oscar for a Best Picture and. <laughs> 
Didn't have to wait long for it to happen, Jim. It's, yeah. it's already happened. Uh, and also, speaking of bald movies, I'm also going to be dropping later this week a, the wrap-up podcast for the Star Wars movie marathon that we did for the National Alliance in Homelessness. Uh, I did an interview uh, with uh, some people for the National Alliance to talk about their mission and how they try to truly end homelessness. And also, Jim and I will be talking about our experience and the fun we had and uh, maybe some plans for next year. Check that out in the Bald Movies feed. Uh, some point in the aughts, uh, Wayne drops his his, his girl, his, uh, his daughter, Becca, off her first day at college. She's presumably 18, 19, um, and she's kind of scared but excited, and he's not ready, and uh, it's just kind of a, a sweet little scene that seems like it really shows that if their estrangement, they, they got, she got into adulthood thinking her dad hung the moon. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. No, it's it's weird. I expected them to do more with that this episode. Yeah. And they just don't come back to it other than, you know, that that sort of disoriented moment. But uh, Amelia wasn't involved, so presumably she is die- that's the other kind of like confirmation. I guess it's not a direct confirmation, but it seems reasonable that Yeah. that she, you know, it would take death to keep her away from her daughter's first day at college. <laughs> I would think so. Um so yeah, that's that's the, the the one piece of information that they're still cool as of the college years. Uh, okay, we're gonna go back in time to the 1980s, and we see Tom packing up his shit and leaving town. Uh, says that he's got nothing to uh, keep him here anymore. Uh, there's no one left for him to hurt or disappoint, so he's just gonna go off and get lost. What do you think he means? Is he gonna just I, really go into the heavy drinking? Is he? I think West. I, I think I I agree with Detective West there that he uh, it seemed like he has a risk for su- suicidal ideation. Whether he you know I mean obviously yeah. he he doesn't, but I, I wasn't sure if if he was just going to go and crawl inside of a bottle or engage in self destructive behavior or actually go. There was nothing in the box that screamed that this man's going to go kill himself. Yeah, it was more in in the eyes and the demeanor. <laughs> yeah, and and also the fact that like, well, where 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 where's the terminal point of this arc? If a man is beside himself with grief over the destruction of his family, and he just starts drinking himself to death. Oh, I just said it. The terminal point is death. So, e- either way, yeah. Roland gives him a lifeline. He gives him a card that says, you know, if you get in any trouble, and I think he tries to like not wound Tom's pride. Like, you're not in any trouble now, but right. if you were to see yourself in trouble. Yeah, you don't need this, but there may come a time yeah. when you do. Yeah, uh, I thought that was a, a deft touch by a man who I would not, <laughs> who who I wouldn't have described as, like, having these kind of, like, nuances to him up until, like, the, these, these last few episodes. Yeah, and it's surprising. I guess I kind of read it like Pumpkin Lady does, although we have the benefit of, of foresight here to know that Tom doesn't kill himself mm-hmm. in the intervening years between 80 and 90. So I, I, I was kind of looking at that and saying, well, he's been through so much like this pumpkin lady is saying, right? Yeah. He survived so much. Why would he go and kill himself in the nineties? That's a damn fine question. Uh, and in this scene, I was kind of thinking that before we got to that other scene, like, yeah, he's, he's, he's got this, you know, like we, we know he survives, but right. But he seemed strong in in a lot of places yeah. too. Well, I wonder because I what I came away with all these scenes in collection of the episode is that um, you know Roland was not just 
a part of his recovery, but seems like instrumental yeah. to the start and, you know, the, the entire process. And I, so do you think that Tom killed himself or do you think Tom? No. Okay. Cause no, I, think Tom I actually, was I, I think you're probably right, but it wouldn't surprise me because I think the reason I, I think that the uh, Lieutenant West um, doesn't immediately go to like, oh, this is the cover up thing is because he knows firsthand how like on a thread Tom was and him personally turning against him, his daughter renouncing him uh -huh. and those detectives going hard at him. And I think that, that I, I would buy that a man like Tom would like, OK, I'm out. Yeah, as an audience member, though, we saw Harris James sneak up on him last episode right. and presumably bag him, right. smash him in the, the spine or the skull or whatever the contusion was. Right. That, yeah, that to me says I not say a it, suicide. It, it, it played. So do you think these scenes are just to establish like West's personal doubt or uh, the, the, the fact huh. that like because it also it's it's, uh, you know, Wayne uses that as a fulcrum to move. Yeah uh Roland a lot in this episode too so like maybe they're really underscoring that just so all that stuff lands yeah no I, th I think you're right yeah. um they they want us to think that Roland thinks it could be a suicide sure right uh 1980s Wayne uh does the dishes for Amelia and now it's interesting because I, this is a whiplash scene for me because you have long maintained that she was working Wayne for details from the Here jump. Here we go. And I'm like, holy fuck, Jim called it. <laughs> She's writing her he article already. this nefarious journalist bloodhound <laughs> out. And then just when I was reeling from that, uh, Wayne essentially, like she lists all the reasons why she shouldn't be doing this and having the relationship. And he's like, nah, fuck it. We're going to take these fuckers down. Damn the consequence. I'm like, well, shit. So like, I think it's somehow we're both right. She was working on the case <laughs> right. from the actual beginning and working him for details. But also Wayne has no fucking room to complain mm -hmm. about any of that behavior because he's out in the open. He, and not only that, but he fucking encouraged it. He did. Yeah. So I wonder... I wonder. Uh, there, I wonder what all the complex stuff that went on in between, because somehow he turned against it, and uh, I don't know. I don't know because like that's that's the thing. Like I was, I was trying to see Wayne's side of the thing, but this scene here just seems like it. Uh, Wayne's got not a leg to stand on in the '90s, complaining or be bitching or anything. No, I feel like there might be some jealousy from uh, Wayne tied up in this because his wife gets or girlfriend at the time or whatever she is at this point mm -hmm. uh gets to continue investigating this case and he doesn't I, I wonder if the case also like he keeps on saying there's too much of me in it like i wonder if there was a disagreement between like oh yeah sure tell the truth and i'll definitely be in but like oh in the book gotcha. that, that he's yeah. a central figure which caused him to get you know a, a disproportionate amount of shit uh in the department because you know I, that's the only like because I always thought like this was some kind of false modesty or kind of um, you know just an excuse, but like I don't know, maybe I think he gets busted down because his sure. wife continues to pursue the book, and they're telling him, "Look, you need to put this to an end." Yeah, and he can't obviously. And can't. she's still investigating, and right. he doesn't shut it down because he doesn't want to. Right. And also, but what what's that his place to do? Yeah. I'd, yeah, and I, I just wonder, mm -hmm. like, but it still seems like he doesn't really have a moral leg to stand on because he, mm -hmm. she even said, well, won't you get in trouble? And he didn't be like, well, yeah, well, whew, we'll have to really, when, when it comes to that, Amelia, we'll have to really handle that with a deft touch. He's like, fuck him. 
Right. You know, he's a guy that seems like he's doesn't doesn't matter what grist gets gets ground as long as the the right things that happen. So like, man, it was again a scene that I was like, whoo, I have no idea what's going on emotionally in this guy's head. <laughs> um. So shall we move to the nineties? Sure. All right. Uh, Roland, as we previously discussed, discovers Tom's body at the top of the ranger station, dead of apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. Uh, there is a typed note that says, I'm sorry, forgive me, I'm off to see my wife and son. No daughter. Yeah, he he didn't really think she was dead, so if that's a suicide note, I could see it. Oh, yes, you're right. And also, if Harris James wrote it, he knows she's not dead. Okay, so. okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, you're right, man. You're right. you're you're so right. I I have somehow pulled off the feat of thinking that uh, <laughs> that he forgot. Tom actually might have committed suicide, and yet and yet all this is all set up by Harris James or James <laughs> Harris or whatever. God damn it, Roland. Uh, yeah, I done. Yeah, so yeah, it's this is all bullshit. Um, I thought that there was something into like the fact that he mentioned son and daughter, but you're, of course you're right. N- n- neither one of these men believes Julie's dead at this point. So, yeah. Um, Amelia then tries to tell Wayne about the man with the one eye, which he's like, bo- like infuriatingly off-putting until she gets to the one-eyed part, and then he's like, "Okay, tell me more." Yeah. Um, there's an interesting transition where uh, the journalist is talking about, "Does this feel like the '80s again?" And he's like, no, that's, I don't remember thinking that. <laughs> I haven't it's, even thought about it. It yeah. smash cuts to him saying, this is just like the 80s all over again. How, how how long of a gap does there need to be between the unreliable narrator saying something and the reveal for it to not be an unreliable narrator? I mean, I think that's what I guess that's what Pizzolatto would say is like, well, you, it's not an unreliable narrator because he's he's lying and I'm making it clear that he's lying by immediately flashing back. But in that four in that like four milliseconds between yeah. the smash cuts, well, dude, there's a lot of questions I have about like when we're in the 80s and 90s, are we seeing Wayne's own memories of the things? Because he seems like he has a pretty sharp memory about a lot of this stuff, including things he claimed not to know of, like the fact that they, you know, killed killed James. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I almost feel like we're seeing some unattached third person just you know well the, i wonder the, if it's amelia's pov and like i and i wonder if that's going to be one of the big things is that he has taken as gospel some of the things that she asserts in the novel which are not be. true necessarily true yeah that'd be an interesting way of him you know filling in his memories with this book like we've talked right, about right right going down the fall but you know um roland's kind of my touchstone and he's yeah. acting strange i mean I, I it's not strange it's just he's giving an interesting performance where you know, he's trying to talk the guy, you know, out of doing this, but he's also like, I know that he knows everything. His memory is perfectly intact. So I'm, it's curious why he isn't being a little bit more helpful about filling in these gaps or maybe you're supposed to understand that they're doing those at the late night sessions. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe he's worried that, you know, Wayne being the one who's interviewed shouldn't remember this stuff. Right. And if he if he fills him in on what they did and rejogs his memory, yeah. he could sort of accidentally spill the beans. Uh, Roland here asserts that this case, as far as he's concerned, uh, was never about getting Julie back, but it was in fact to kind of make a you know kind of make Wayne's career happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, do you buy that, or is this something he's trying to do to cool Wayne's jets a bit? I think it could be both. I mean, 
certainly they don't start this investigation unless they're at least going to look for Julie, right? Mm. Right. Uh, but I think the part that is, you know, trying to help Wayne's career is bringing him back in. Like, I, I think yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the favor he does. Um, not the, the favor is not like pursuing the case at all. Oh, so because okay, I was thinking like, well, but why Wayne for this? But I'm like, OK, this is the pretext he can use right. to fight like any other case. Hey, I want to bring my old buddy. in. yeah, he's an asshole and he's politically black. Well, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. This one is like, no, but I he need was him. the lead. He's got, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's okay. got the goods. I need uh, I need his his memory in his mind. And OK. That's that's how I read it. Okay, but I think it's also a little bit of the other thing too. Oh, yeah. This is yeah. this is sticking in West Craw as much as it does, uh, uh, as much as it does uh, Hayes. Um, okay, so the pumpkin lady, chief suspect of R slash True Detective. I mean, look at her house. Errol Childress lived exactly like this. Yeah, yeah. She there, there's stacks make... of newspapers, and <laughs> she doesn't make flowers. She makes wreaths. Yeah, uh, on people, and it's just as gross. It's she, just as gross. Honestly, she's, it's 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 sad, and I yeah. don't mean that from like a oh she's a hoarder perspective, which uh-huh. she kind of is. Uh-huh. But she's living. But she's just organized. in this dying town that uh-huh. used to used to have life in it, you know. Yeah. And it was kind of all sucked out from this case, and yeah. now she's like the last holdout. It's it's sort of sad. She's there to. She's a ghost there to remember. Yeah. Uh, turns out she has a picture of the two uh, Will and Julie trick or treating on that fateful night in the eighties. And guess what's in the background? A black and white ghost. Oh shit! S- ghosts. Uh, I, you know, there's a, a bunch of people like uh, black and white ghosts. Why do you say black and white? Because one one person one ghost had black hands and one person had. Oh, I just noticed. I it, didn't it, even look. I I assumed it was. Yeah, Mr. June and and I will say that the taller of the two is the so like I was trying because I've had this working theory that maybe the races got mixed up and somehow that 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 it would be a black woman and a white man and right you know because I try to keep an open mind that maybe something something weird about Amelia or something else or they want us to think that but no it seems like it's that stuff is all true blue and also they just I, I mean it looks like they're wearing sheets or maybe baptismal robes yeah um so there's a it's it's there's a lot of theories last week that were saying that well they're going to be wearing those all white like hoyt chicken processing uniforms or something like that it seems like nah they're just like lab coat kind of things yeah 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 no these are huh. just these are just straight up like i said they're either sheets or baptismal robes i'm not sure which i don't know what a better ghost costume looks like but you right. would think someone who could construct a pink princess castle sure. room in their basement could afford a better ghost Unless costume. Unless they improvised, you know. They must have, yeah. I get the um, feeling that this was plus this is an excursion that she wasn't really allowed to go on. Right, right. Or shouldn't um, have been on. Right. Uh, so she's also... Why do you think she was hesitant about giving Amelia the, the picture? I kind of got that she was just reluctant to to let anything out of her house, any of those memories... Like, if she is the memory of the town, like, she doesn't want okay, okay. this stuff leaving her sight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because then someone might... Because the other thing is, like, maybe she knows or suspects that... Because, because I mean, I, do you think she knows more about this Lucy situation than she's letting on? No. Because one way to read this is that she's got to remember because she's seen so many people, like, try to suppress and bury and, and obfuscate this stuff. So, like... What if Amelia is another one of those? And mm-hmm. this is like a crucial piece of, you know, maybe, maybe it's it's kind of like that, that she doesn't want to see this thing buried like all the other evidence has. Yeah, that could certainly be. I'm not sure why I ascribe pure motives to her 
or or less nefarious motives to her. But well, I, I must, mean, she could. Yeah. She's Lucy's best friend, right? So. Yeah. It's conceivable that she knows something about what's going on with Julie. And maybe she agreed with the idea of like, okay, we'll give give these kids to this rich family and yeah. it's better. I mean, I, I don't know. That's that's not exactly in I mean, those are not exactly pure motives to ascribe to her, but like I don't think that she is part of like some sex kidnapping child murder cult. Um Well it's weird also if you if you want to go with the idea that maybe the kids are actually not Tom's, they're they're Dan and Lucy's right. and that would be fucking a uh, wrinkle in the equation, <laughs> another variable. Because, uh, you know, you could you could see it as, well, this isn't their father anyway, right. so taking them away from this man isn't right. actually a bad thing to do. It's actually the right thing to do. Right, and, right. Sets him free to pursue his bliss, whatever that is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Roland and West, or <laughs> Roland and Wayne, uh, check out Dan's hotel... Uh, motel room and find it toss mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't really you know and his car is still there which is maybe the weirdest part right and implies that like that's when they realize they're kind of they've been burned because there's no way he's going to run run without his, his car uh, yeah he doesn't strike me as a man with the means to get more cars uh, so Wayne's clearing out his desk from the task force when an officer runs up and says hey we just pulled these uh, days worth of calls from the the late 80s from vegas just as he's about to pack up and he pulls an all-nighter um stays way late ignoring pages from his wife because she's going to go out and conduct an independent investigation with the old bartender the bar owner um and she has to drag her kids out into that and Mm. she has a little bit of a wayne and walmart moment where she feels that she's really dropped the parenting ball and turns out she was saved by the world not being as terrible as she thought it was. Yeah, I love how it's kind of... These two acts are so intertwined. You know, Wayne getting this information, pulling the all-nighter, missing uh, essentially his babysitting gig, Mm -hmm. uh, not being home, and then Amelia going out and and interviewing whoever... I I don't even know who this is uh that she's interviewing in the bar but mm. tells her about you know the the man with one eye and dan he's and- the guy that owns the bar that um you remember that the, the scooter got beat up in the back room and okay that's the guy who owns that bar that lucy used to frequent and sounds like gotcha. she was somewhat of a draw <laughs> yeah 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 she, <laughs> she liked to entertain there I yeah suppose. yeah uh but but they're so connected like and in a weird dead ending sort of way, like Wayne's investigation very much is bearing fruit here. He's he's on to oh, Harris yeah. James. He's got it all, like he says. Yeah, but that thing's going to dead end, right? And we mm. see that dead end this episode. Mm. And then in pursuing that lead, he sort of dead ends her investigation because mm. she's cut short and doesn't get all the information she needs right. when her ki- she thinks her kids are missing. Right. Uh, it's I don't know. It's just a really interesting tie in between those two things. The other thing we haven't mentioned about the scene is uh, Hayes uses West's police credentials, his badge number, and his name to, to yeah. get this access and information. Is that actually going to be a thing, or is this like is this like standard cop procedure? Uh, I feel like that... this was just an end run around someone he knew wouldn't help him at this point. Okay, because like, I, it doesn't seem like that would pay off. Like you know, West would would be like, "How dare you use my badge number to pull flight information?" That's it doesn't seem like West is on. I, I definitely don't think West is on the side of the bad guys at this point. No, God yeah. no. 
Uh, if he did, he wouldn't have beat. Although maybe he okay. killed him on purpose. He killed him, yeah. but he wasn't the one who killed him. Can we just say that? He That's didn't true. kill Harris James. He shot him, yeah. but he didn't kill him. Wayne did that. Wayne killed Harris James? Yeah. How? He shot him in the face or something, in the neck. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, like, there's two it, gunshots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one okay. through yeah, like, the right, side, right. and there's one the Wayne fires. Um, that kills him. So... We already talked about Amelia talking to uh, uh, the the bartender, uh, but they confirmed that Dan was having a conversation with the one-eyed black man, mm-hmm. and that's super interesting, but then, as you said, got interrupted. Uh, Wayne go- shows up at West House early in the next morning and says he's got the whole thing, and essentially, it's, it's pretty... I don't know if he's got the whole thing, but he's got this James character making eight phone calls from his pr- personal security line to this hotel that Lucy was staying in, flying out to Vegas the day before she died, flying back from Vegas the day after she died. It's everything, like he says. Yeah, and West is like, well, what, do we take this to the Attorney General? And Wayne's like, are you fucking kidding me? And they'll find a way to pin it on Tom. Yeah, and that's that's the that's where the lever that he pulls that gets West onto his side, because like you know this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and we want to clear Tom's name, so let's pursue this on our own. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a rough scene. And, and you know, when you pair, pair it with the apology that comes later in 2015, mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty powerful. It is. Uh, and the, that and the, the scene where they're digging the grave for Harris James. I mean, right. all that stuff. Oh, man. Uh, so in the 90s, they follow James late at night, pull him over. And I, I got to say... I got a lot of mixed feelings in this scene because this is just fucking vigilantism. Yeah. Uh, it is against a guy that I think is guilty of some pretty bad shit. But like, uh, man, child kidnapping, it can't get much worse than that, though. So like that's that's the the the, the fact that I think their police work is 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 OK. It's still, though, still this is fucking brutal. <laughs> I mean, they essentially they, they beat the man. To de- well, I, so was he actually getting beat to death, or was he playing That's a possum? Good question. I feel like he was more playing possum. You've had broken ribs. Can you tackle a man with broken ribs? I I think after like immediately after it happens, maybe because like you got so much it, adrenaline. And you think you're going to die? Yeah. You, yeah. you just you can do whatever you need to do in that very moment right there. But yeah. you give him a day, and that man is sitting everything out it's interesting because like um it's a really i thought it was a very kind of naturalistic performance i've never it's very rare you see the object of torture kind of like break things down like you guys are killing me like this something bad (laughs) broke inside (laughs) me i can feel like it added a lot of visceral kind of oh to the scene and it was enough to crack wayne like the person who broke in that scene was not harris james it was wayne yeah let him out. Um, now, it's interesting because he asserts, I've got kids, I'd never hurt children. This is where, and and if you buy the fact that the ghost in the suit is this uh, James character, which, God damn it, I can't tell if he had a Paisley, Paisley tie in the scene. Uh, oh, shit, right. Should have gone back and watched that. I mean, it's got to be, though. But, yeah. but, but Wayne specifically tells that ghost, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Which implies that maybe there is more to this story. Out. But again, I keep on coming back to if Tom's not the biological father and maybe he's not even the putative father in a birth certificate, you still got a mother selling a child. 
on the black what? market. Like crimes are committed here, and this guy facilitated it. And yeah. it's a child, uh, a, a crime that inv- that in some oblique way led to the death of a child. So like, I would love to hear this guy's justification for how he is not hurting children here. No, it's a. I don't think he has a good one. I'm not hurting children. I'm, I'm covering up the the abuse of children. So he, here's the thing: like the po- if, it's the Pope defense, right? I don't I don't molest <laughs> children. I just help cover up the right. molestation that's happening. I'm just part of the conspiracy. Yes, yes. Uh, so coming from from the mouth of a child kidnapper, the justifications will never sound right. But in their head, I bet they do. Like imagine. Okay, Harris James, uh, maybe Dan, maybe Lucy, whoever is involved in this, uh, thinks, look, this life that these kids have right now is awful. Their parents are always screaming at each other. Their their mother is completely absent. Their father doesn't really monitor them at all. Yeah. Uh, they don't have a good home life. So I'm taking them out of that situation and putting them in this pink palace you yeah, know, yeah. with this woman who loves them. And like... To to someone who's deranged enough, that seems like a good thing. Yeah. That seems like they're doing the children a favor. This guy doesn't seem deranged, and I, I, I buy that logic, except for Will died. Yeah. Like, that's the thing I can't get over. Like, I mean, unless they're saying that J- this Harrison James is an actual, as you say, deranged person, um, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not inclined to let him off the hook. I'm not sure it deser- deserved to be, you know, extrajudicially executed out in some abandoned bar in Arkansas, but... No, I'm just trying to, you know, portray yeah, what's going yeah, on in his head. In his head. I, I think what he's done is reprehensible. You're right. People can certainly. justify a lot of fucked up shit. Yeah. Um, as we'll get around to talking about in this year episode. Um, so, um, they're burying this guy, and they have a charge scene where mm-hmm. Roland is cursing Wayne for getting him into this. Wayne is saying, you're a grown-ass man, which... To a certain extent is true, but you knew what you're doing, and you're later going to yeah. feel bad about it. And then there's the mental projection of the N-word that is as electrifying a scene as you'll ever see. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine what it's like to be those two men on that set in that <laughs> situation, having that dialogue. I mean, fuck, wow. Um, what what yeah, do you it's, say? It's a strong scene. I, I think it's maybe potentially the best scene yeah. uh, in the episode. Yeah. Because everyone in America knows that what follows uppity fucking is going right. to be you, you don't you're like you, you don't have to say you don't it. have to say it or call it. it's 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 the blinking uh, LED signage in, in that, that that's happening in, uh, in there and yeah it was, it was a great scene do we want to say more about it uh not really I mean I I don't know I'm just constantly impressed by both of these actors. Um, I guess if you're going to cover up a crime, like who better to cover up a crime than to murder police? I mean, it seems like they are essentially driving into the middle of the woods and so they, they don't do a very good job. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing though, dude. Like, man, if any hunters just walking through their land and they see like this freshly dug thing, they're gonna be like, "What the fuck is this?" You know? Oh, I mean, it's not even that. It's that immediately the next morning, Hoyt already has his number. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> like. They but they did a pretty piss poor job of not uh, letting on that they were tailing James. I wonder. You think there was some kind of tracking device or because like yeah, physical tail. Maybe, there's or no way they don't see that. Security cameras. Right? 
Yeah, physical tail I think is is too much. But and his cameras like they just pulled this him. guy randomly over in some dark road in Arkansas. Like mm-hmm. it, they they it was as smart as a plan because they didn't get him like at his home. They didn't get him at the like I I wonder I wonder if there's something on a tracking device. I don't know. And I also wonder like if I wonder how much Hoyt knows and how much he suspects and he's going to try to essentially do to Wayne what we've seen Wayne do to so many other people like you know use what he knows to to force a confession out of a person yeah so what uh Liza's trying to do to uh, to Wayne yes uh so wait we have a really sick transition in a way we cover this thing uh kind of obscures it but there's just a beautiful gorgeous shot of old man Wayne stumbling down a dark road Dude. that leads to this trash fire that is himself in the 90s burning his clothes from the murder uh, adventure he's just been on yeah i mean as far as shots goes that's the best thing i've seen all season yeah and can he now can he feel himself being watched or are we supposed to understand that he actually felt amelia watching him uh it's hard to say i don't know now, I, I don't think this is like a game of thrones type situation <laughs> right <laughs> you know this is brand if anything i think it's there's no three eyed crows about, for the yeah. audience you know um so it's so he says I can't talk about this. I want to pause and reflect on what if Wayne comes outside. It's two o'clock in the morning, and Amelia is standing there in her bra and panties, burning her dress, mm-hmm. saying, "I don't want to talk about it." It'd be World War fucking three, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's like the fact that she's rolling with this at all is is pretty remarkable. Um, and she says as much, she's like, look, you can't pull that. You know, she, she lets him have the night next morning. She's like, look, you got to tell me. And he's like, this is stuff you don't want to know. He's like, not with you. I need to know everything. And, uh, that is true. That is true. And in the but middle, it's also true. I'd be a real asshole if I did that, <laughs> if I told you. Yeah, but you're already I the bring asshole. You into, it, yeah. But so, so, so this, this scene makes me understand the, yeah, 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 yeah. the, the scene with his son a lot better um, where he finds out that his son has been sleeping around and cheating on his wife. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he tells him, look, you don't, you shouldn't say anything here to your wife. If you're, if you plan on ending this because it's, you're going to feel better and she's going to feel worse. And I feel like that's what's what Wayne is doing here. And and it's not even just like, Oh, Amelia's going to feel worse if I tell her, but she might be in danger if I tell her. Yeah, that's, I mean that's definitely a concern. I, and I, don't, I just I don't think know of that because it, it also totally conflicts with that you can't keep anything back too. Like it's it kind of like, yeah. I, and I think that's the that's yeah, the key difference is tough. he's like if you're going to end this, don't tell her. Mm-hmm. I think you know Wayne's not going to end his relationship with his wife nor this investigation into the crime. So gotcha. then, since it's a continuing relationship, you have yeah you 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 have to. So this is a mistake he made if he planned on leaving Amelia. <laughs> Yeah, or if if somehow or, he could or, get out of this and just never do this. Well, I think that's what's going to happen. She's, I mean, she's going to force him like you got to give this cop shit up if this is what's going to happen. Like and he Yeah, I think that's th- there's going to be a deal struck obviously between uh-huh. Amelia and Wayne. Uh-huh. And I think part of it is she's not going to write the sequel. Right. Uh, okay. And part of it is he's going to stop investigating this fucking case. Right. And let it go. Yeah. Because I think Hoyt is going to scare them so bad yeah. and he's going to come back and tell her yeah. and actually, you know, they'll come to this decision together. Yeah. Like I said, it's it's amazing the scene works at all because we know this man lives. Yeah. Uh, his children live. 
His wife dies, but probably not violently at the hands of a pig and chicken farmer. I don't get that impression. And but yet when these black cars pull up and swallow Wayne, it's a it's a moment. It is. It really feels like entering the lion's den. And, and if you needed confirmation that uh, they were going to have that Michael Rooker was in this series, you oh, yeah. got it. Because, God, yeah. what a distinct voice. I, I clearly saw his voice. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it's Rooker as fuck. Yeah. Um, so so there, and he, one last time, he says, you, this is the last time. You got to trust me. No questions asked. And I, I think you're right. This is this is going to be the linchpin of why so many things happen. You know, why she gives up the second book, why he gives up the case, why, you know. And it, I think that this this is the last timeline is so poignant because one way or another, I think this is the last time, whether he doesn't come back mm-hmm. or whether he gives it up after this. Um, so in 2015, the journalist Eliza asks Wayne if he believes that Tom killed himself. And she points out there's conflicting medical examiner reports. There's a contusion at the back of the skull that could not be adequately explained by the gunshot wound and wayne denies the ever that crossing his mind which we've already talked about as hilariously contradicted by his 1990 self uh the interview asks if he shared any of the info with his wife and he again kind of demurs and says oh, no more than any husband and wife would um west shows up and and talks a bit to, to henry um and it kind of like tries to fill in Henry with what his old man's doing at night. And it didn't seem to phase Henry that much. Like maybe the fact no? he's doing it with a gun. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was the gun that, that phased him, but it still didn't really, f- I mean, like what is phased like a long knowing look or like, Holy shit, I got to go and my, get my dad's bullets or I think phased is just trying to figure out how to react to it. Mm. Um, you know, he stops talking. He clearly is thinking things through, uh, it sort of shuts shuts him up, right? And then Roland just kind of walks off, right? So Eliza's trying to get Wayne's mind to go towards a larger conspiracy, and she says that uh, this one-eyed black man might have been a procurer, and she mentions his name as Watts, which is new, which which is new information to old man Wayne anyway. Um, and she also intriguingly says that this there's an evidence of massive conspiracy pedophilia ring, and she draws a connection of this case to the 2012 case that we're familiar with from season one, where Russ and uh, Marty go in and and kill uh, uh, was Errol Childress, yeah, the Yellow King show, and and you know this this probably is a famous case. Wayne said that he had heard about it, um, kind of enigmatically. Uh, and, uh, they, she said that these children are like, you know, bought and sold. There's like markers, like these dolls and like this blue spiral shit. Um, and there's like uh, high level politicians and businessmen implicated. And she wants the missing piece that connects. It, and he goes, I don't got a missing piece. I, all I have is missing pieces rather. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I think this is this the, the dolls and the pedophilia ring are all, yeah. Red herring stuff that they've been kind of planting the seeds for since the beginning mm-hmm. uh, of this season. And this feels more personal to me there's definitely a conspiracy to cover this crime up, but I don't think the crime here is pedophilia. I think the sex the crime, trafficking children. Yeah. I think the crime is kidnapping of a child because they desperately wanted a child, right? They wanted their, their little girl back. And right. this was a proxy for that. Yeah. Um, I did, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I got, got all that, too. It's interesting, though, because, like, I do think that 
of like that th- these kind of large pedophile cons- rings actually do exist and they are mm-hmm. weirdly underreported. Yeah. I actually um fell down a rabbit hole because uh, someone sent an email uh, to us that referenced a couple Den of Geek articles and some some articles from when season one where they go in and like make connections to this kind of infamous Arkansas um, like child ring conspiracy that seemed like it turned out to be mostly bullshit. But then there's like half a dozen like active like there was a in the 80s um, the 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 state police of the UK, I think is whatever that would be. Um, is that the Scotland yard? Um, sure. The bobbies. It, yeah. they, 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 there's a report about like, I guess pedophilia ring being run out of, um, parliament. And that, that, that report was suppressed for something like 15 years when it finally showed up, it would had a whole bunch of pieces missing out of it. And a lot, and, 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 and an investigation that revealed that is 114 other, documents around this pedophilia ring that have been uh lost and this went up to the high-ranking members of parliament involved the royal fucking family the queen the queen herself it went up to one of the dukes in... i don't know about uh oh, you know the queen was in on it so yeah her, and all her corgis too i <laughs> and, and then you get this jeffrey epstein business where this guy has like multiple reports of having sex with underage women and he's connected to like really powerful politicians like Bill Clinton and Donald Trump and he's running this like private plane down to like like uh Caribbean islands to have the the to have sex with young women and he gets this he essentially gets 12 months in the county jail and the, they, the, the ongoing investigation, these other four or five conspirators instantly stopped because they gave immunity. And I'm like, what the fuck? How does this, you know, and, and, and like, I think there's like a big pedal ring that we're probably starting to uncover in Hollywood. Like, I think that as much as this is probably going to be a red herring, um, it's incredible how much of this stuff does seem to be exist mm-hmm. in the real world. And we all just kind of ignore it. Because there's a lot of money and power behind it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm. It's it's hard to say we're ignoring things we don't know about, right? I mean, cover ups are okay. Are oftentimes you, effective. You're, what I should say is like there is an honest to god conspiracy at high yeah, levels of up. government and business to cover this activity up. Yeah, and I think when you know part of that leaks out to the public we get appropriately outraged I but mean, it's like there's but, a lot of the brian singer stuff happening right and, right right right. but uh, like you know i don't think this epstein thing is a even though that's currently a controversy right now it's not something that people it's like that they have their fingertips on like no i'm just hearing about it this much week, more people so. have a consp- uh, an opinion about the fucking fire festival than they do this <laughs> stuff and then you want to talk about like, well, like netflix like, stock then you go you, you know, let's put away the pedophile thing and just talk about like financial misdeeds like the panama papers stuff is like horrifying when you look at uh, some of these financial crimes and like tax avoidance that's happened at the very rich and, and wealthy, and that shit should have like burnt things down, and it just never, you know, like even nowadays, like as I say, you have you heard about the Panama Papers? I don't know what the Panama Papers are. Like this shit's crazy. This shit's crazy. And even though this season it turns out it's probably going to be just a straight up one single isolated rich person doing something hinky. Ah, the truth is out there. I sound like a lunatic, but um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, do we want to move on? Probably. Yeah. The interview with the kitchen maid. Uh, so Love they this. talk about this is this is this is kind of the whole enchilada here. I think I, everything is going to kind of flow from here. Mm-hmm. 
we're getting a story of this Isabel who was a young, you know, like the daughter of the main daddy Hoyt. And she had a personal tragedy involving an automobile accident uh, that cost her her young family. And she spiraled into despair, tried to kill herself with a car accident. This car accident, uh, she plowed her car into a guardrail. She must have survived. But one of the patrol members we think assigned to the case because he was in that like section of road would be this James Harris guy mm-hmm. or Harris James guy. Um, that's probably where that connection was first made. And soon after that, they like, uh, the, the staff wasn't allowed to go to the basement, which we know that's where this like pink room is. And, uh, the, it it seems like you're supposed to understand that the Hoyt arranged to have this child brought to her so she can restart her family. So she will not go crazy and kill herself. And the, the, her crash happened in 77 or her family's crash. I think her, there's two crashes. One, are, and yeah. I don't think they mentioned that, but the, I think the second one, you're right. And then it seems like that the family tried to get her better and tried to get her help. So there's like a three year gap between that and the kidnapping. Right. And then that's, so I, th- so one, one of the theories maybe that we can discuss is that, um, this, this black man with the one eye was kind of assigned as her personal handler to keep her from getting into trouble. Right. And he would take her out, probably take her to the park. Um, and that they just ha- by happenstance met these kids who were also, you know, unattended and no one's paying attention to. And, uh, Isabel got a, like, this is all, this is all the theory. This is not facts and evidence, but Isabel responded well to being able to play with these children, got attached to them. And then there's this kind of quid pro quo deal worked with Dan and Lucy. And somehow either will wasn't involved or will got killed in a transfer. It sounds like will may like maybe, um, will was never supposed to be a part of it, but just, he happened to be with his sister and they lost track of each other. And, um, but somehow he died. And, and the, the theory goes that, uh, this Watts character helped, you know, stage the body in a way and told um, Julie that her brother wasn't dead. That and then, and then you, you know, you start piecing together what Julie herself has said about being this, you know, princess of this pink kingdom and being, you know, her real parents were murdered and like you're seeing it there. This is the story that, that was told to kind of make her go along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, is that kind of like what what the consensus is the theory is right now? Yeah, with maybe a couple variations. I mm-hmm. think there's a possibility that I'm I'm trying to figure out where I sit on Lucy's involvement. Was she involved from the beginning? Was she brought right. in later? Like, was this a thing the, that the Dan Husher, did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah. like, I could see a scenario where Lucy isn't involved at first in the kidnapping, where Dan has been, you know, sliding these notes through the wall, like I'll I'll keep you safe, I'll protect you, right. and then six months later, or whenever after he moved out, he's been coming up to play with the kids in the woods and they've been sneaking off to see him. And mm. then he arranges with Harris James and the Hoyts right. to get this, these kids, his kids potentially yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to them because they're living this horrible life with this other man that he despises and thinks mm. is a nothing. Right. Uh, so he's trying to get them out of that situation. And then later on, Lucy finds out about it and then, you know, blackmails him into payments that he's already getting from the Hoyts. Maybe it's, there are a lot of possibilities here, 
and I don't know exactly where they're going to come down on it. I think Lucy being involved is possible, certainly. Yeah, but I'm with you. I don't know whether she was like paid off after the fact or involved from the beginning, whether it was all Dan, whether it was like I, the, the theory that I outline is kind of a little bit more innocent, like she's just having a day outing and the kids were too, and it was kind of like a Mary Poppins love at first sight. <laughs> uh, you know, like, like, but even then, it's like it starts breaking down because like, even if the Moes were entirely innocent, you still had involved a death of a child and a massive cover up and a bunch of dead bodies. And oh yeah, you know it does seem pretty clear that James is guilty of at least killing Lucy. He's at least an accessory to that, if yeah. not the killer himself. So I agree. But on the other hand, it's like when I felt like you know when Wayne and Roland were pressing him with all this information, he didn't exactly endorse their narrative either. But then again, why no. would he? Yeah, he. He was trying to figure a way out of that situation. Yeah. Up until the moment he got shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the other na- notable thing about this scene is, as we mentioned before, Wayne gets uh, this this lady's daughter confused with Becca and kind of has like a this this disassociation moment. Um, and Wayne also apologizes to Roland for using uh, Tom's death to get his way way back when uh, and involving the killing of this James character. Yeah, it was manipulative. What is he, What do you think he meant by said, I didn't realize how different we were? Uh, I think Wayne is okay with killing people. Right, it doesn't bother uh, him. If, if, he need, if he feels like he needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, you know, whether that's part of his military training, that that's just been burned into him, I don't know. Right. Um, but for whatever reason, he can kill and he can live with it. Whereas Roland seemingly can't so you think this is where roland uh lost his girlfriend and this is where he like really hit an alcoholic skid and kind of turned into the old dog loving hermit that we know and love for 2015 yeah this is the schism i mean right here it's pretty obvious that this is the thing that tears roland and wayne apart yeah uh and i assume yeah sends roland down a bad path uh so let's uh, i want to like maybe (laughs) Maybe soften that bad path thing. Like, how bad of a path was Roland really on? Like, compared to Tom, compared to some, like, Dan and some of these other people. Like, Roland lives out in the woods on his own. No kids, just no wife, no no anything, just some dogs. Like, that's not the worst fate in the world. It's not the worst. The only thing that makes it worse is the fact that he has, like, almost breaks down and sobs at the sadness of his existence. Like, if he was was enjoying that to (laughs) its fullest, yeah. But no, he's not ready to eat a gun either, so. Yeah. He doesn't have as bad as a man who has children stolen. Yes. (laughs) And And is a closeted gay man in the 80s His wife killed herself under mysterious circumstances. He doesn't have it that bad. I think we can agree. (laughs) Uh, so there's this final scene in the 2015s where Roland and Wayne are up in his study trying to work this new information and fitting in this stuff they know about James being the patrol and uh, you have, have the, the the fact that this guy. I wonder also if this guy was Mr. June connects to, um, to Julie saying that she's July. Yeah, like. It seems like too much of a coincidence not to. Right, right. Because that's the thing that kind of like I none of them mentioned, like none of the alarm bells went off for them. But I was thinking like, oh, that's an interesting connection. Um, Wait until we get to Mr. August. So <laughs> the, the, the full summer. Um, Wayne confesses that Amelia has appeared to him, which kind of unnerves Roland. And then he also sees the return of the black sedan. So he and Roland do the shake and bake thing where... 
he plays crazy old man with the baseball bat and the gun. And uh, meanwhile, West gets a nice shot of their fully lit license plate. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this seems like it's going to got, I mean, it's got to be, they, they want us to think Hoyt because that's, they, they definitely made an impression with their large black sedans at the end of this episode. Pretty sure that Hoyt's dead in 2015. Yeah, but the Hoyt company's interests uh, probably are not. Or Hoyt at this point, this interests. could be the state attorney general. Like he he could have okay. some like high level heat on him. Yeah, governor's office kind of heat. I've also seen it thrown around. This could be Julie. Julie in a black sedan. If she's rolling around, if, if the Hoyts have found her, maybe. Yeah. But why would they park her outside the damn? And I don't oh, think they just let her run around. She'd be escorted. I yeah I found that, her I so so like if if it's if it so you think Julie the runaway that is like hey, let's not let's not label this as my theory okay <laughs> let's label this as a theory okay so this Reddit theory that you read and have uh-huh. given credence to uh, <laughs> given voice to says not says, credence says that Julie the 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 drifting runaway has saved up enough money to get like this Lincoln oh, Town fancy car fucking car yeah a late I mean, it's model been twenty five years since ninety let's. Yeah, twenty five years you can you can save up some money. That's true. If she just put twenty five dollars in a compounding interest right. savings account, save she'd 20% have twenty percent of your income a month, and you'll be a millionaire before you retire. Right. Julie. So that's why she was that drifting was just an extreme thrift. <laughs> She's taking yes. out all of her pennies and putting it towards her retirement. Now the frugal I drifter. Who's laughing now? Blog. She's twenty seven years old, running around in a Lincoln Town car. <laughs> Causing trouble for these old man cops. She's living the life. Dude, this is the next wave of YouTube videos. Like people who not don't live in micro homes anymore. And, just, and it's not this fire, this fire saving yeah, shit. Yeah, they're like now, functionally homeless. People are home. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm yeah. living on the street. I'm sleeping on a park bench in Seattle. Right. I have a Planet Fitness membership, so I can take a shower every day. I'm waking <laughs> right. this shit work, and I'm making 150 grand working right. on Amazon. I'm saving every right. fucking penny just so I can drop out of society the second I hit a million dollars. Shit, I wish I go back in time and do this. But it's and, not too late. And then realize that when I'm 40, I'm broke again because retirement a, th- a million dollars doesn't last that long. Right. Right. You retired 40 years before you were supposed to, and now you're broke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's true. The economics doesn't quite work that way, does it? No, it it doesn't. Uh, And this, like I said, this is this where Wayne at, at after he gets the license plate gets lost in time and starts like drifting through this dark version of the world. That's just essentially his street until he sees this far off burning fire. That is himself setting his clothes. Just fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, as soon as the, the screen starts to darken, I'm yeah. just like, wow. Yeah. Wow. What are they doing here? It's amazing. It's such a fucking cool shot of him. Like uh-huh. this, like drone shot of him standing in this inky dark street uh, with. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's great. This season has been a very a much, very much a return to form. Not the <laughs> season two is any slouch in the cinematography department, but um, everything fe- like this dish. The sizzles not just there to sizzle. It's there to move the plot forward and make connections and make this crazy convoluted time thing that shouldn't work at all work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I got for this episode. Do you got anything you want to say or should we? I don't think who, who, uh, I mean, do you have like a unifying theory at this point? We're going into the final episode. I feel like we I should think make something. Some I, I, I'm, 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 I think the theory that we talked about is with some minor differences of moving parts, the, the actual end game. I don't think this is going to connect to, the louisiana stuff at all i don't think this yeah. is going to be a larger conspiracy i think this is going to be about one family that was sad and broken with grief and it's a it's, it's a rever- yeah it's a reverse raising arizona they look around and saw 
these people have this excess of joy that they're not even appreciating and found the way to to take that take that and 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 uh, bring it into their own home yeah i i agree with that i think it's it's now what i more isolated but don't i don't understand is how julie got free there is no i don't have a theory to explain how she got away in 1990 yeah and then i think what, people are on to like the landscaping kid help oh oh, oh you mean it free of the the hoyts at the hoyts compound. in the first place right. yeah 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 so good question my my only like specific prediction is that dan is probably going to be the one who is more involved in the kidnapping mm-hmm. than lucy mm-hmm. uh and that lucy finds out later and becomes part of it but i, I don't know We'll see. Before we get to feedback, I want to tell everybody, as as my want, about the club, club.baldmove.com. That's how we pay the bills around here. That's how we are able to convert our asses sitting on the couch watching television into podcasting that you presumably enjoy since you're listening to this. Uh, It's a great way to support us and get extra bonus content. Do you like me and Jim? talking about your favorite tv show maybe you'd like some of our other bonus audio and video content the good news is you don't have to leave it up to chance you can actually try it by just going to club.baldmove.com we have samples of all these bonus content and special features you get and a complete detail of what you get when you join the club and you can try it 30 days risk-free just by signing up at club.baldmove.com all right, feedback. You can send feedback to truedetective at baldmove.com or you can get on our forums, forums.baldmove.com to discuss the latest episode with your fellow fans. First up, Jim A. Flashback to season five. Oh, sorry, episode five. You both made great arguments for Bagheera being an analogy for Hayes and Amelia. If you'll recall the Jungle Book story that was told at bedtime. I do. With the new information in episode six, is there any chance the Bagheera passage was meant to foreshadow Julie's imprisonment in the pink room and her eventual eventual escape slash release? Well, that was pretty uh, interesting. I I wish I knew more about the Jungle Book. <laughs> Honestly, it's a it's a movie I saw thirty years ago yeah, and yeah, yeah. haven't seen since. So this so. passage was because I did a little bit more reading about it, was about Bagheera, who is the Panther in uh, the story, was raised amongst men in a cage as a baby. And uh essentially they had, I, the stories they never really upgraded a cage, so Bagheera once realized that if he used all of his, you know, beast strength he could smash that little cage that he was in and he did and he escaped. Okay, so um, Julie is Bagheera in this. Yeah, like somehow, like she's you know you you write you you build this cage yeah. to hold a child, and they turn into an adult, and like you know how the fuck do you keep them in that that pink room for eternity? Yeah, you do it with a, a big ass safe door, That's true. a big ass vault door. Yeah, I, think. I don't think she could just smash it down as a no. as, as a teenage girl, but unless there's some split stuff going on here. Yeah. Um but I I do wonder if that this is you're gonna see like somehow Julie's inner strength um kind of shine through it, it it'll be it'll be interesting because that's that's the like the whole thing with Julie is the big mystery that's still around the 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 whole thing. Uh, Stas was the lawyer that emailed us last week, and he uh, they also rose to the call uh, for a lawyer ruling on the conviction in absentia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, immediately, this felt like a lazy plot hole band-aid to me. Hmm. I imagine Nick Pizzolatto sitting in the writer's room in a scene similar to Rob Lowe's scene in Thank You for Smoking, where he's describing a movie in which two famous actors are smoking in space. When Nick Taylor brings up the characters smoking in space would blow themselves up in an auction-rich environment... Lowe says they fix it with a line of dialogue. Well, thank God they invented the whatever 
Uh, here's why I think it's a lazy plot hole. Woodward's being charged, tried, and convicted of a crime after his death is a clear violation of his Sixth Amendment. The Sixth Amendment guarantees, among other things, the right to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation. A dead guy can't possibly be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation against him, which is the reason why they don't get charged in the first place. The Sixth Amendment also guarantees the right to be confronted with witnesses against them. This is commonly referred to as the Confrontation Clause, and it's a bedrock principle of the American criminal justice system. You have a right to be present while the witnesses testify against you, and usually through counsel, cross-examine each one. There are special circumstances when someone can be convicted in in absentia, but it's a circumstance by which they have been informed of the charges against them and by their actions have waived other rights. Think of a defendant going on the lam during a recess in the middle of their trial. So, and actually, several other lawyers wrote in Hmm. and said the same thing. The idea that you would post-posthumously convict a dead man is like beyond the pain. It's not like it rarely happens. It fucking never happens. So, so what do you do if a crime is just not solved? The the perpetrator dies. I think and... you can close the case. You just can't okay. convict a corpse of okay. murder. Is the at least not in the American criminal system. What would even be the point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I thought that was pretty interesting, and I, you know, I don't know. I don't think it ruins the thing because I certainly didn't know that. In the same way that I didn't know mm-hmm. that fulminated mercury doesn't actually explode. <laughs> Uh, entire f- second floor of a building off, you know, in, in Breaking Bad. Like, it's that's that's not realistic. But I didn't know it, so it was a cool scene. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I think that, like, in absentia conviction, knowledge is a pr- probably on par with the average American's chemistry knowledge. So mm-hmm. I'll let it pass. But I imagine it's frustrating if you're in the legal industry that yeah. shows get this wrong. And uh, also, I, I don't... I don't know why it had to happen because the kids wanting to get it overturned. I guess that's the mechanism that that, that, that brought that, that allowed them to connect these three decades. Because because imagine they're like, well, yeah, he did it obviously, but we're not going to get a conviction. Then there'd be no one to be reopening the case, seeking to overturn it on new evidence. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, it, it doesn't ruin the show for me. Matt from Boston. I think Aaron made a comment paraphrasing that freedom from Amelia has given Hayes the perspective to look at his past actions and give his son better advice. I'd also suggest that Hayes' memory loss also allowed him to get let go of baggage that he was destroying his relation. Sorry, let go of the baggage that was destroying his relationship in the 1990s. Although he seems to remember quite a bit, I wonder if forgetting, even intermittently, about the details of Vietnam in the 80s allows him to relinquish the control he was trying to maintain in the 90s. The drive to control was driven out of fear. Forgetting what he was scared of has given him peace and perspective. Could be, although I think he holds on to a lot of those memories in a weird way, sort of more than his family. Well, from my by personal experience and what I understand, most cases of dementia or Alzheimer's, they tend to be like a, a last in, first out type of thing. Yeah, like you yeah. lose the things that happen in the last year and then that goes back and back, but you can retain memories of your young adulthood and teenage and childhood like, like untouched. Um, so I guess that would, it would, I, I, if it works that way and there's nothing that says that dementia as Nick Pizzolatto writes it in this universe has to, it would, I would think that he would probably be left with his memories of the eighties pretty clear. Whereas the yeah. 90s maybe is because it looks like all those he, all those ghosts are still with him, mm-hmm. which implies he knows that he killed them. Yeah, because they're not literal ghosts. We should also say that these aren't literal. 
literal disembodied spirits. These are just the his his memories that haunt him, right? Yeah, for sure. And it's also it gets muddier when you talk about you know moments of lucidity yeah. and like when can he remember things and when can he not? And like he he clearly can still make some memories and he clearly can recall them even if they happened you know the other day, but mm-hmm. not always. Yeah, and I, I guess I was under the impression that he had not remembered whatever they did in the 90s that they had to cover up, but it seems like he does. And now that I'm looking back at that dialogue where he's like, well, I guess if I remember, I'll remember to, f- to not tell it or whatever. <laughs> like, I, uh, I think that's more playful than than literal. Huh, okay. Uh, because, like, again, unless these ideas are just coming out of nowhere, like if there's some omniscient narrator that is going along this man's thought process and giving us a straight dope. I, 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 I don't know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, Oh, I want to ask you, did you notice that there was a little bit of a kerfluffle about the photo of the two ghosts? Yeah. Nick Pizzolatto put that one down. He did. Do you, I mean, I, but, I believe him. I, okay. Production errors happen all the time. Yeah. I, I this think show. this was a series of photographs they took over the course of about a minute Mm-hmm. And they had a whole bunch of them, and they just used them in different shots, and they got mixed up. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah. So the, I, I, I mean, I guess okay. Let's follow that down. Just just so everyone hole. knows what we're talking about is when she uh, handed um, Amelia the picture of the two ghosts. Uh, yeah. From the one angle, she's holding it to the other. It looks like there's a minor difference in the background. There's a car that isn't there in one of them, and yeah. is in the other. There's like the the. The thought, the thought being that this is this is relevant somehow, right? That this pumpkin lady pulls the old switcheroo, switcheroo, which, false evidence generation. What, for what purpose? Like, yeah. th- that's where I I get hung up on that stuff. It's like, why would she do this? Yes. What evidence do we have to make us think that she's? Why would she be sitting on two like like the real photograph and the fake? And why would she be? You know, when would she swap them? Like yeah. those sorts of questions. Uh-huh. I don't feel like we have any solid answers, so I'm inclined to just say production error. Yeah, and we know this happened to this show before. Yeah, like they in, t- they, in a much more conspicuous way. Yeah, like in season one, they the one of Marty's daughters was drawing like blue spirals on the wall that just happened to be. <laughs> I still don't know if I believe that fully. And and it, but I mean, it turns out like no, she's not in on it. There's right. nothing connecting her to this pedophile ring. Right. It it's just simply that's. Yeah, a thing that the production crew said, "Hey, this would look cool here." Yeah, uh, you know, it's not Amelia's not in on it. Pumpkin Lady's not in on it. Come probably, on, people. probably for sure. Um, for sure. Okay. Uh, moving on to Robbie from Tampa. <laughs> Has anyone pointed out the distinct similarities between this season of True Detective and Jeremy Sol- Solnier's Hold the Dark? I don't want to give anything away if you haven't seen the movie, but there's a climactic battle of the film that is virtually identical to the shootout between Woodard and the police and the townsmen. Huh. The parallels I found uncanny. Of course, Solnir was originally set to direct this season and completed a couple of episodes before scheduling conflicts prevented him from finishing the project. Interesting. At the risk of spoiling you, I won't say much more, but I highly recommend watching the movie if you haven't already. It's on Netflix, they say parenthetically. I imagine there's much to be gained from a comparative analysis. Um, hmm. So... I did not know this, but it makes sense that if the parallels were uncanny, like if you're going to lift something like that, uh, 
one way to do it without guilt is to hire the man who made that film and have yeah. him direct those scenes. That's fair. If you're going to use like yeah. H.R. Geiger-esque stuff, just right. fucking hire Geiger. Don't, yeah. don't do the sequel without him. Come on. Yeah, don't, don't, don't half-ass it, Cameron. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I think that's, that's pretty interesting. I, I, I uh-huh. also think The Hold the Dark sounds pretty cool, too. Yeah, I've but, never uh, seen it. I might ch- uh, check it out this weekend. Uh, moving on to Douglas A., Longtime club member from the UK. I listen to all your shows. Well, thank you. A long time ago, I found this article after watching season one, but it was after you guys had already covered, so I didn't get to share it with you. But this week's season three, season one tie-in, I thought I would revisit it. It discusses some very specific themes and interesting themes from the first season that also apply here, as well as referencing the specific FBI article that Eliza shows to Hayes. And he included this uh, uh, article from jaysanalysis.com, which is a deep dive into, like, the the sex cult aspects and, like, how, like, all those little connections, like, all the childresses that you encounter throughout and how that all, like, really took the time to tie it all together to, like, the attorney general and the governor and the uh, Wellspring youth Christian program mm-hmm. that was, like, the yeah. grooming um, and then he also included a link to denofgeek.com article from this week where they take on that stuff and, and try to see how this could like maybe the Wellspring Academy that was o- operating down in Louisiana has spread to Arkansas. I don't think because you and I are both like pretty hardcore skeptics that this is going to tie into that. Mm-hmm. But it's super interesting if you want to read that and I'll, I'll include it. And like, like he said, this uh, Jay's analysis dot com has like the FBI manual about these sex cults. And I, 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 I thought that was made for the show, but that that's a page literally out of that about like these real life sex cults and the signs that they have and their jewelry and yeah. coinage that they use to pass around to subtly indicate. Cause you know, it's not something you can do rich and powerful to be on a, <laughs> you can't just even no matter how rich and powerful, you can't just be like, yeah, I'm fucking kids over here and expect people to be cool with it. You gotta be at least a little sly. Yeah. So I will include those uh, links in the show notes if you guys want to dig deep, because honestly, it's like a 20,000 word essay and I I couldn't do it justice. Uh, Travis, uh, we talked about uh, Detective Annie Bezerides last week from season two of True Detective and wondered what her status was. He says she is alive and she's on the run in Mexico. So if there is a crossover that that would happen, I know who Rust and Marty could enlist for help. Um, Okay. Are are we are we going to are we going to take this seriously? This idea that maybe at least the I mean, obviously there I mean, are parallels. The show's drawing them themselves. Yeah, and like we said last week, I, I think you know, there's look if Nick's got a good idea for season four to tie the the whole thing together, go for it. I'm a little skeptical that it needs to happen though. It doesn't need to happen, and it's got to be a damn good idea before yeah. people will not decry it just on its face. Because there's still a well, lot yeah, I of... I mean, if you want to go after uh, Rachel McAdams, yeah, why yeah. not? I mean, there's a reason that a lot of the big outlets aren't covering True Detective, which is they really burnt a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, critic goodwill in season two. Mm-hmm. So, like, this, you know, and taking an anthology and collapsing it on itself is kind of a hoary, cliche-type move. Um, yeah. So, like, it's got, it'd have to be a banging idea for people to see this as anything but, like, something to, to be scorned. Um, and also, so in this episode, did you get the idea that Wayne had met Russ and Marty before? No. Because I still think, like, if they were to meet three months from now, I have no idea what that would look like. 
because Marty and Rust are many things, but they're still like, completely in control of their faculties. Right. As much as Rust ever was, you know, after he started <laughs> engaging in drug experimentation. But yeah. But Wayne, like, how he's got a shelf life, man. This shit doesn't, like, just stabilize. It gets worse and worse and worse until there's yeah. nothing left. So maybe it's just the Roland show. I mean, it's Roland and Rust and Marty and and Annie. It would be because I've off. I've I've long wondered whether Wayne makes it out alive, and I would be down for old man West rolling with Marty and uh, Rust on the case of the the Yellow King. I I saying it like that. Yeah, like, removing Wayne <laughs> from the picture honestly makes that work for me. I, honestly, we can remove. Uh... We can remove Marty from the picture, too. Just give me Rust. Give me the better version of Marty, which is Roland. Yeah, that's give, true. Give me Annie, and let's call it there. Let's get that that dream team on the road. See, I would love to see... I would like to see Roland and Marty. Because I think Roland, <laughs> like... like uh, cause he could be a just, good mirror. An yeah, because effective... I think Marty's a slightly better cop when he's on his A game, but Marty slums a lot. Whereas, yeah. I guess you could say the same thing about Roland... Like it doesn't. It seems like he's pretty fat and lazy in the '90s. I mean, Roland strikes me as a, a more a, a man with more integrity, a man yeah. and a more honest man, Very pers- a, probably procedurally driven. Yeah, a, a more sensitive man. Like Marty is all all the the front that yeah. Roland is, and none of the heart. Yeah, like yeah, none yeah, of the yeah. good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be cool to see, yeah. Now, okay, I'm kind of on board now. (laughs) So has to be a banging idea for that. Like, just because I'm on board, I'll be, I can get on board for stupid shit. Okay. Um, I, I, but yeah, I I don't know about that. Uh, Chrissy from Georgia, just want to point out that the man, uh, black man of the one eye who came to the bookstore last week is played by Stephen Williams, who also played Virgil from The Leftovers. Yeah, he did. Um, wasn't sure if you noticed. Uh, I did not notice that, but as soon as you mentioned it, I'm like, of course he was. Right. So glad to see him uh, doing some more good work. Dustin, okay, this episode and season has been very good, but seriously, I feel like they should leave Rust and Marty out of it. How could they improve <laughs> on season one? Bringing them back would probably only cheapen my memory of the greatness that was the first season. Anthologies are anthologies for a reason, in my opinion. Let me float an idea. Rust, Roland, and Annie. Rust, Roland, and Annie? (laughs) Who says no to that? (laughs) Dustin. Dustin says no to that. Dustin says no. I probably say no, honestly. Like, it doesn't need to be done. Don't do it. No, no. And I think that... Or I think blow me away. I think it's actually kind of brilliant if it turns that they are completely zigging away from season one. That this season one connection is just a red mm-hmm. herring because um, I think it's. I don't know. It's interesting to see Nick Pizzolatto interface with the fans this year because he seems like he's all too like almost annoyingly willing to like shut down speculation of uh-huh. because uh, there's people asking like you know such and such a person de- no they're not dead they're just As- in. As I recall, he kind of was doing this in season one, too, but I think he was lying in no. places or, or season two. Yeah, he was I doing this, but he one. was lying. He was straight up lying to people. Huh? Uh, I think. Well, I think there's been so many. Here's the thing in the in the God, it's going to be going on 10 years of us doing this next year. Yeah. Eight years of us covering. Television. We've seen liars. We've seen Scott Gimple get on stage. We have seen a lot of people in Hollywood lie straight up yeah. lie to preserve spoilers, to preserve contracts preserve deals um so like it wouldn't surprise me but i i also think that 
it's funny because I associate this behavior with Ryan Murphy, who does the other big anthology that I kind of cover, American Horror Story and the various American crime stories. And he's the same thing where, like, our running joke on our uh, American Horror Story podcast is, like, Ryan Murphy spoils next week's episode on Twitter. Like, it's like he just can't like it's like it, it's like it's like uh, burning. It's burning. It, the secret he's got from America is burning a hole in his pocket and he can't yeah. help but like get on there and, and give hints and tee hee. And like, I don't like seeing these creators do that. Like, what is what I like to see a creator put something out, like maybe give a preseason interview, you pick his brain, you put it out there and then maybe you do a postseason interview with an outlet of your choice. There you go. Like, I don't like this t- direct Twitter. No, that theory is wrong. No, that's that's way off. No, that person, even though yeah. it's ambiguous, actually dead. Like, nah, I don't I don't like this. No, I think the only correct course of action for a show like this is silence during the airing of it. And and afterward, yeah. you get on and you answer the questions. And, yeah. and that you especially want with an anthology. Like, right. if, yeah, if you want to leave some things vague, that's fine. But yeah. But the stuff like then you can get out there and you can say everything about it because the story is never coming right. back. Everybody who wants to know can know uh, that. That's what I would say. But yeah. it's weird when we get into like the Netflix model, right? Like mm. when you drop a season all at once, mm. when do you start opening up and talking about those sorts of things and giving answers? Because yeah. you may watch it day one. You may binge the whole thing and then want your answers. You may watch it over the course of 10 weeks and then want your answers or you may come to it three years later and want the answers. That gets tricky. No, as I've found, like, as I was, you know, trying to binge the Umbrella Academy this weekend, um, and I was trying to do, like, see what people's opinion was about something that happened in episode six. <laughs> it's a fool's errand. Like, it's yeah. where, like, day one, all this stuff is dropped, and everyone's got their think pieces about it, and the creator's being interviewed. It's so hard to find that. And that's like one thing that's the tragedy of the Netflix model is it really kind of destroys the water cooler. Um, And like it's uh, these damn subreddits. They what they do is they have like a review hub Mm -hmm. where it's like one page. You could like click here to talk about, you know, this episode. And so you have a little bit of that. But most it's just like everyone on the front page shitting out finale spoilers. Right. Yeah. It's it's just the damnedest way to try to build a a thriving community, it seems like. But, yeah, I kind of really like this HBO model where we get a week to think about and absorb things. You mean the all of television up the until all of now television model? until Netflix is disrupting it model, right? Yeah. Although I do enjoy binging shit too. I do so too, man. If, if uh, I am, I, I'm not blaming addicts here. I'm blaming, I'm blaming the dealers, the suppliers. Yeah. So uh, that's all we got for feedback, and this is our episode for this week. Again, you can send feedback into TV or not. Sorry, True Detective at baldmove.com. It's True Detective at baldmove.com. Uh, you can also get on our forums, forums.baldmove.com, to discuss this uh, season with your fellow fans. It's the finale. Mm-hmm. There is about three weeks of plot to fit into one hour of television. We'll see how they do. I'm very excited. We'll mm-hmm. be back with full coverage next week, as always. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.